Huh? Let it bump though. Hello, everybody. Hope all is well. We're back with another episode of Logos and Polos. We have an unbelievable guest today, um, somebody who's going to really bless the listeners, uh, Dr. Brittany Collins. Um, she's the founder and CEO of Developing Me LLC and uh, consulting and uh, counseling. And so she's really an expert in, in the things that we want to talk about and Show us and tell us a little bit about where she's been and how and what she do. Brittany, what's going on? How you doing, Coach? I'm doing, you know, I'm doing well. Um, thank you for having me here. I appreciate you um, for creating this space um, and just having me here today. I'll start off by saying I'm at Louisville right now um, with mental health and performance team. Um, before that, I was at Mizzou. Um, and then before that, University of Cincinnati. Um, I'm a military kid, so I was born in England, moved to Japan, then Korea, then Hawaii before moving to Ohio. So I say I lived in Ohio the longest. That's where I claim where I'm from. Um, I played basketball at Ohio University, so former collegiate athlete. So with that, I say full circle moment. My passion is personal. Um, I've coached high school girls basketball, so I've been a coach too. And I realized just being an injured athlete, seeing what my dad went through in military, coaching, that mostly what I was doing was mental health. Um, a lot of all, if not all, of what I was doing was mental health and making sure that everybody's mental was right and on point. So I shifted to that, to focus and let that be. Or let God shifted me to that, I'll say faith-wise too, um, and use just my personal experiences to do what I do now. That's awesome because, I mean, you know, who would have known that we would be coming out of a pandemic or going into a pandemic, um, dealing with the transfer portal, dealing with just this space with the NCAA and trying to give student athletes a little bit more control of their careers. Right. And tell you what, I'm not sure how many universities have someone like you that works directly on campus, but I tell you what, um, it's something that I know in the future is going to be something of high demand that probably everybody's going to need to have. And so we're going to kind of dive into this thing. I always do a little icebreaker, uh, you know, question in terms of everybody. So I always talk about the logos that we represent, how many different logos that coaches we change. And so I'm going to ask you, in your profession, how many different logos have you represented before you got to your own logo, actually? Oh, wait, that's a deep one, too. And I, I'm like, let me process on how many, too many to even count. Um, the ones that stick with me and the way I frame that, too, is my identity and who I am and who I consistently show up as. Um, my jersey, again, you still see my playing ball. It's still there. So that's one of my logos that makes me who I am even now. So I still wear it of being a former athlete. Um but just being a black woman, being a mom, um, that's who I show up as daily. To me, that's my logo that that's who I represent and make sure if there's voices missing at the table and being that representation to bring those voices to the table. So I'm gonna get deep with you on that and saying that's my logo and my identity that I wear all the time. Um, but yeah, just so much more than an athlete. So that logo was something I wore before being a Bobcat, being a military kid is a logo I constantly wear. Um, 
but I can't even count how many logos I've had on like real life logos. And we were talking, I know we were talking about Adidas and Nike um, before <laughs> entering in this space, but I like to frame it as my identity is your logo, right? So yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, and it's, it's one of the reasons why I created this podcast because, you know, many of us don't think about these so many of these other things that we uh, represent um, when we put these logos on these polos, uh, mm-hmm. whatever business CEOs. Uh, we always represent something, and like you said, we can't forget that we are moms, we are dads, uh, mm-hmm. we're mentors, uh, we have faith. And uh, all of those things, sometimes when you get into a position in coaching or business or if you're working in a school system, that you think that being a principal is who you are. And, you know, somebody asks you, hey, what do you do? The first thing you say is your job responsibility um, instead of, you know, who you are as a person. Right. That's real. That's kind of the space, man. Give us some background on that in terms of just your experience there. One of the biggest things and going back to 2020 to now is it paused the whole world. It made us stop to really reflect on who we were outside of the work, right? Because job stop. Um, and, and if you work in the athletic culture, it really stopped us from playing and even coaches participating. There weren't fans in the stands, right? And so it really made a lot of athletes that I work with coaches just really stop and reflect on who they are as a whole person. And I think that's what's carried over now into what I do. Um, And just saying I'm so much more than an athlete. I'm so much more than a coach. And making people really reflect upon and see not just the student or the athlete identity, but the whole person and who's sitting in front of you. Um, And so there's a lot of work that I do in just who are you in your family? Tell me more about that, like your background. You have any siblings? Like how, you know, what what was your relationship like in the household? And how does that carry over into your team dynamic now, right? How does that play out? Like what are maybe triggers? Some people don't even know, like when they hear the word triggers, they're like, oh, I didn't know that was such a thing. Now we're open and talking about it more like, oh, I have triggers that triggered me. Um, so people are more open, I'll say, especially athletes and being more vulnerable and transparent about who they are as a whole person and not just the student or the athlete identity, especially in professional sports, too. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's that mental health piece and, and just being able to feel comfortable talking about those things and, and just yeah. even learning some of those vocabulary words in terms of, OK, I thought I knew what this meant, but OK, right. now I understand you know, right. how it's me, you know? Yes, yes. So in terms of, you know, I saw you at the NCAA tournament and it was the mm-hmm. first time that the NABC put on their program in terms of coaches in transition. Yes. And, um, a lot of the sessions you go to at, in the NABC is half full, but this was a real special session. We had a lot of people yeah. in that session and, um, talking to a lot of guys in between jobs, looking for jobs and just trying to figure out what that next step is going to be. Give us some some thought process in terms of that time period um, and and what people should be doing in that space. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that's huge. I don't think we talk about this topic enough. 
um, with coaches. Oftentimes, coaches are forgotten about, I think. Um, and so when you're at the collegiate level, even the position that I'm in, um, it's a lot about student athlete well-being. And so I'm just grateful for that space to be able to talk with coaches and pour into coaches um, to make sure that they understand and have the deposits that they need as they transition, right? Um, because they're human beings too, right? And I think oftentimes people forget that. And so in that space, we talked a lot about grief um, and being in transition because one thing that we don't talk about as human beings is that oftentimes we're taught death of something or somebody is grief, but we don't talk about transition and how you grieve when you go through loss of identity. Um, and we talked about that a little bit before starting out. So that's the biggest thing we talked about is when you're in transition, how you grieve when you're going from one position to the next, or how you feel lost and you go through those different stages of grief um, when you're looking for another job, right? So whether it's bargaining, denial, anger, depression, until you reach acceptance. Um, and we don't talk about that enough or teach that. So we talked about that a little bit. That's something that I brought up. Um, and then also I used my dad as an example um, to be a little more vulnerable in that military and how military culture is very similar to athlete athletic culture in that you recruit, you establish a community, you check in on each other. But when you're wounded or when you're down or in your transition, like we don't really have a lot of resources to make sure people are checking in on each other, right? Like you good, you okay? Um, and making that okay to do that, right? Or um, talk to somebody. And so I really talked about the importance of having community too, right? Getting the deposits so it's not a reactive thing and you're being proactive and making sure you're pouring into yourself. And then the biggest thing is embracing your assignment and knowing when it's time to let go. Um, and I don't think we're taught that enough either in that my assignment here is up. I, I've served my purpose. And so that's my faith part of just God has used me in the way I'm supposed to be used here. And so now I need to shift to my next assignment, but making sure that you have support in that shift so you can embrace it. And so you do get the deposits that you need. So you're full um, and not running on empty when you transition or, or let go. Man, some of those things that you just said are just so relevant for me. And, you know, in terms, uh -huh. you know, a lot of times when you, you know, are a head coach or a business owner or that business fails and you have uh -huh. to move on to the next situation, you deal with that grief or bitterness or uh, being mad or confused. And how do you deal with those steps and those emotions during those times, uh, especially when? if you tie so much of who you are to your position. And um, it was actually yeah. this morning, I was looking at CNN and um, they had a question that says, uh, who thinks their job, their job title actually gives them an identity uh, in terms of who they are? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, the, the statistics said that the higher degree you have, mm. the more you feel like what you do is who you are. So Ooh. those individuals that have doctorates or those individuals right. that, you know, got those extra degrees feel more so that what they do is actually more part of them. What, what do you have to say about that? Oh, you know what? That is so real. You, you hit me with that one because that is a learned behavior. 
Like literally my dad, when I think about it, he worked his way up through the ranks, right? Um, military. Um, and so he worked all the way up till he couldn't, you know, go anymore to chief master sergeant. Right. And that's what his title was throughout. Even when he shifted a transition, retired, he was still known as chief. So very similar to coaches being still known as coaches, even after they retired. Um, but that's what I was taught. Like literally my parents taught me education is what it is. You got to work your way all the way up. My dad tried to get me to go into the military and I was like, absolutely not Dad. That's not my thing. Um, I felt like I was in the military and being an athlete, a collegiate athlete. So I, that's what I know. It is learned behavior, right? Like whether you compete and go hard in the paint um, and then I, you go hard in the classroom and then you just continue to excel and reach this uh, level of like, I, I would say success, excellence. Um, but I did have to do some self-work and learning like that's not all I am um, and reframe that and use it like I'm doing on this platform because I tell people, yeah, I got these degrees, but I did the self-work. Like it just literally the irony of getting a doctorate in mental health, clinical mental health and counseling. I had to do the self-work and I just so happened to get a degree out of it. So I had to do that in order to be in spaces with people. Um, and I would say I also had to do the spiritual work, too, and that my faith and God tested me throughout of just increasing my faith and strengthening my wisdom and discernment to know, like, that's not all I am is this degree. That's just what's going to get me into deliver the message if that makes sense so but i did have to learn that i did have to learn that especially as an injured athlete um i know I've somebody asked me one time like so Brittany, like what you gonna do after you finish your doctorate i was like what do you mean what am i gonna do after i finish my doctorate they're like then what's next i'm like i'm gonna be i'm gonna just be <laughs> like that's what i'm gonna do and then i'm gonna continue to spread this word and this message but it is it's a daily showing up to say like i'm more than just like Dr. Brittany Collins, you know, like to my kids, I'm mom, you know, and that is an amazing gift and blessing um, that I pour into them daily. They're like, I mean, they might joke and be like, okay, Dr. Collins instead of mom. <laughs> they joke with me on that. But that's it. I'm mom. To my to my former teammates, they're like, I'm so proud of you, but I'm still that former teammate. Right. Um, so it's it's humbling yourself and say at any given moment, we all went through the pandemic. Um we're all going through it. That's that's where I tell people it's the human experience. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's so funny that you said that. It doesn't matter how high you go, whether it's President Obama or you know the the janitor at your high school. Yes. When you go home, you are just who you are. It, it, yep. it, you're not your title, and that is the human piece that know. you know sometimes the. The, the, you know, especially in, in, in sports, it's the, the grind, 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 grind. Yes. And you yes. sometimes, you know, that you're just a human being. That's you it. Are mom or dad or brother or teammate. And a lot of times yeah. that's all that the other the other person really appreciates. They don't that's care it. about the title. That's it. That's it. That's huge. That's huge. Like you still need rest. You still need water. It keeps me humble. That's the biggest thing. Um, I, I constantly, I say, me and God's relationship uh, is real. Like we, we just talking and in the car and I'm like, Lord, don't ever let me get too much where I don't know I'm not grounded and I'm not humble enough to know that I don't need you daily. Um, that it's not about all these degrees. Like people, people with degrees struggle 
too. You know, that's the, again, the human experience. Um, and so there's mental health struggles that, you know, people with degrees go through too. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in therapists going to a therapist if needed. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to be poured into too in order to pour into others. So again, it's that common thread of we all got to do that work, that self-work, regardless of the title. For sure. And I think, you know, I tell people all the time, just being on this podcast, I've had, you know, 10 to 15 guests and um, mm -hmm. talking to them during this 45 minute time is therapy for me. It's, oh, it's yeah. work and, and understanding that there's so many different circumstances that people need some positivity or yeah. you know, understanding what's next to help them kind of get through that grief or that mental challenge that they have from uh, losing a job or transition or whatever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, I guess I want to kind of go to this spot and talk about investment, um, mm. investment in your craft, you know, your doctorate degree, your career. And I want, I want you to kind of chime in in terms of over investment. Some people really just, can't stop working and then the people that understand and they underinvest, they understand they, they don't throw themselves totally 100% into that space. Can that's you talk good. about that a little bit? Yes, that's good. Um, so what I call that is being at capacity or under capacity. And that's how I frame it. Um, and everybody's capacity is different. Um, and so I know when I'm doing too much and I have also have accountability people like my kids will tell me we have like family Fridays, right? Where I need to put my phone down and I'm not putting my phone down. My kids will tell me like, it's time, it's family Friday, put your phone down. Like, so I know I have accountability um, and also self-awareness is key when knowing like what your capacity is or if you're under capacity, um, that's that self-motivator too to just be internally motivated and self-aware to know I, I'm either doing too much I'm tired, I'm burnt out, or I'm not challenging myself enough. And that is building and establishing a relationship with yourself. It's also being open to receiving from people you trust, I'm going to say, constructive criticism and feedback from people that you trust and see if there's like a common thread. Like maybe somebody's consistently from different people are telling you one thing about you. And you're like, I'm hearing this a lot from different people. I probably should receive this and work on that, right? But that's being open to that self-awareness. Um, so that's investment to me. Investment is working on yourself, doing the self-work, getting to know yourself, knowing when you're at capacity and you're doing too much and what that looks like for you and when you're not doing enough. And that also, if you look at it from clinical terms, is like, what is my baseline level of functioning? How do I show up consistently every day? And that's different for everybody. So I teach that often, like know what your baseline is. Are you under how you usually function every day? Or are you over and were you just like running off of endorphins and you just going nonstop and you can't stop yourself? You need to balance. Too much of anything is not good is what I often say. It's like finding balance and grounding yourself. But that starts with self-work. You do have to invest in yourself in order to know that. Man, I mean, you know, it, it, I, I invested in myself during this time and, and went to see um, a therapist uh, during my time. And, you know, you guys don't ask difficult questions. Usually the questions that you guys ask are the simplest questions 
that anybody can think of. And you, you guys are doctors. So t tell me about just that simplicity piece, I guess, getting people to really talk about what it is, but it, it's not very yeah. complicated. Oh, first of all, I want to say I'm proud of you for going to therapy and thank you for even sharing that you did. Yeah, that yeah. Huge. That's huge. So thank you for doing that. But even every therapist is different. I know myself is I collaborate and it's about building a relationship with my client. Um, and so I really meet the client where they are and I really hear what they're telling me. So you have to really be an empathetic, compassionate um, and great listener. So listening to understand versus listening to give a response. And so I'm really sitting there intently listening to what is being said. Um, also paying attention to nonverbal cues to where I interject and kind of, oh, there's something there. Let me, you know, add a question in there to kind of help reframe and stay on the same thing. Um, if that helps. So yeah, it's really, you are the expert of your life. We really just see things that you might not see or give you another lens or perspective to go a little deeper. To me, it's just going a deeper layer to where you're like, oh, I didn't even think of that way. But you didn't get it out of me until you asked that question. Nobody's ever asked that type of question before or known to ask that. So it's really being intentional about knowing what questions to ask. And you are taught how to ask good questions. I mean, that to me, common sense is not common. So that's... <laughs> That's a part of just knowing when to ask the question and how to ask it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's one thing, you know, I actually flew to, uh, to Boston and, and met with the therapist there who they really uh, specialize in uh, talking to high level professionals, you know, yep. whether it be coaches or business owners, CEOs, uh, talking to them in terms of their time. But um, yeah, I just felt being in there, I was looking for, it's my first time. So I was kind of looking for, you know, interested to see how it goes. And I had right. to, I'm like, man, you know, she didn't ask like anything complicated, man. Like she just really yeah. just made it comfortable for me. And I, like you said, that relationship and feeling comfortable that everything's confidential and it's, yeah. it's there. I thought it was really helpful. It did help me kind of get, get some things out. Yeah. It's a, what you're describing too is establishing that safe space. Like oftentimes people don't have a safe space, right? It's like, I have to let a layer of myself down or that wall that I've learned to put up for so long because I didn't have a safe space or I wasn't able to trust people um, for whatever reason that is, it's having that safe space. And like you said, it's confidential too. And so it's, you take your time, it's a journey, it's a process. Uh, of really making sure it's a collaborative effort and making sure that you're comfortable. Um, one analogy I give for therapy is I look at us as a GPS, right? You use your GPS to find how to get somewhere, right? But you know the direction that you're putting in. So you knew like, I'm gonna go to this Boston therapist because they know they can work with this type of individual. So you already knew this is the address I'm putting in to try to get some guidance. So from there, we pretty much say, I'm going to ask these questions, right? To whether to say, we're going to go left, we're going to go right, um, rerouting, that's probably not the best direction to go, or there's construction ahead. Eventually, you know that you don't need the GPS anymore, right? Because you're like, I got the tools, you show me how to get there. I don't need it anymore. And so that's our job is done. You have the tools now because ultimately we want to empower you to be able to do that on your own. 
um, to where you're not, we're not needed. And it might be from time to time, you might pick up your GPS like, oh, I forgot how to get there. So I'm gonna pick it up again, just to touch base. That's how I look at therapy. If you trust your GPS, you can trust the therapist. It's a sure. real get you to where you need to go. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a guide. It's not going, you know. It's just, it's just good. It's just a guide. If you turn, if you turn on the next street, it's just going to say rerouting, rerouting. <laughs> and, and it's your job to either, you know, what I'm going to reroute, get back on this road, or yeah. I'm going to continue. I know another way how to get to this spot. You yeah. Know, I'm gonna continue to go this way, and it's just gonna continue to age you. Exactly, and and we're and it's like the the GPS is there with you, so you're in it together. You're not doing it alone, right? So you're like, you know, it's gonna come up, but it's also trusting to get you on the right direction. Some people are like, I don't trust the GPS; it's not gonna get me there. It's gonna take me another direction. So you have to also trust the therapist or trust the device. To know, like, okay, I'm in good hands. This is a safe space. You're gonna get me to where I need to go. Um, and so ultimately, yeah, you're like, okay, now I can get myself there. So again, you know where you want to go. You just might not have a good direction or a guide to help you or a safe space to do that. So it's just get using another tool to get you there until you can feel comfortable enough in yourself to get yourself there. I'm here with Dr. Brittany L. Collins, and she's talking to us about, you know, identity and uh, mm -hmm. her business. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit more just in terms of what you do, what you see um, on a normal basis, kind of just working with the athletes and kind of this new wave of student athletes that we have um, and come in contact with after post-pandemic. That's huge. So um, I do a lot. So right now I'm currently at University of Louisville where I work, but I also have my own private practice on the sides. Um, that's the Developing Me Counseling and Consulting. So through Developing Me Counseling and Consulting, I do um, consulting work, individual counseling, um, and I do it for collegiate, either high school as well as professional, um, and then also consult with coaches, um, I also am an educator, so I teach as well. So I work in training clinicians to do what they do, as well as specialize in working in um, the athletic culture. So understanding that it's a unique culture that you need to know how to work with high profile, high performing individuals. Um, but one pattern and theme that I see throughout, whether in this space, in the collegiate setting at Louisville or in my private practice is, is, is anxiety. Um, so anxiety is at an all time high and anxiety shows up in different ways. It's fear. Um, and so it's just ongoing fear of whether it's again, we have crises, mass shootings taking place, um, people going outside from not being able to go outside. So viruses that, we, you know, and so it's nonstop. Just I don't know what to expect at any given moment whether it's social anxiety and not knowing how to trust people or connect with people, whether it's in a school setting, you have test anxiety and feeling that you're gonna fail, fail. Um, whether it's performance anxiety and not knowing how to now produce from not playing for a while and having fans to now being sold out seats again and back in the fans and knowing how to perform again. So one thing I told people is like, it's freshmen all over again. It literally gave everybody a clean slate um, and so coaches even recruiting, getting out there. Now you got NIL, transfer portal, so many things, um, additional COVID years, right? And so everybody is in this state, including coaches, administrate state of fear 
and not knowing how to handle just life situations. So we are back to the fundamentals and the basics. So have you, you know, felt because there was so much information out there uh -huh. on different platforms in terms of, hey, you go see a therapist, go talk to somebody. Have you seen an uptick in people feeling more comfortable coming to see and talk to therapists? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And talking about it more openly, too, to just say. Um, and I think it's because there's more of a platform, even, for example, Simone Biles, um, you know, Michael Phelps, you have those in professional settings, Olympians talking about I have a therapist or I set a boundary and I'm not going to compete today because my mental is not there. Right. And so I just really need to work through that. And so it's taken away a lot of the stigma to say it's OK to not be OK. It's okay to go and talk to somebody. You are human and you need to process these things. And everything starts with your mental. So I do think um, there is an uptick. Um, there's a need for a lot more therapists, especially understanding the athletic culture. Um, and so we have, I'll say here at Louisville, one of the biggest teams um, that I've ever seen. Uh, we, I would say we have about nine to 10 on staff for performance and clinical mental health. Whereas other universities, it's like one or two per, two people on staff and it's not sustainable, especially now at this point, it's not sustainable because then you have clinicians that are going through what they're working on with others, you know, burnout, fatigue, like just being exhausted. Um, and so again, you can't pour from an empty cup. So it is an uptick. There's a need for more professionals in these spaces. Um, I mean, one thing it has created is jobs. So it's like that bittersweet, right? Like we don't want more people to struggle, but we also need more clinicians to assist with those that are struggling. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, you, you're just talking about that because, you know, when I was coming up in uh, college, you know, there was a big, a big hit on the sports psychologist. Yes. And, uh, trying to help the student athlete achieve or reach the zone or yep. how to stay at a high level yep. but you know, just thinking thinking back about about that time never was the conversation on how to deal with the failure or the pressures or the anxiety on yes. what you're dealing with as a student athlete it's funny how that paradigm in probably 20 or something years now we're talking about more so how do you deal with failure piece of it oh that's huge so I I even think about when I was playing and being an injured athlete, I remember my athletic trainer, we had a sports psychologist, wasn't a lot of confidentiality, I'm going to say, um, and mostly what I've seen throughout, and at that time it was white males in sports psychology. So then you had that layer too of just identity, but my athletic trainer was like, you should probably go and talk to somebody. And I was like, I'm straight. Like, I'm not going to talk to somebody. What? For what? And then who am I going to talk to? How are they going to understand me? and the layers of what I'm dealing with. So she did give me a card, but it was at the counseling center outside of athletic, which is similar to a base, right? On military base, it's like its own island and world. So I'm like, where is that even located, right? Like where is the counseling center located? And who am I about to go talk to who doesn't understand one me, also being an athlete, athletic culture, so many layers, being a black woman, just so many layers. I was just like, I'm good. I'm, I'm no. Um, and so, yeah, it is different now to where there's a lot more, I would say, options. We have a long way to go, but there's a lot more way to go um, when it comes to that. 
Um, and I became that because I saw the gap and was like, there needs to be more representation in this space. And I, I believe that was nothing but the grace of God putting me ahead of the curve, honestly, to get me to where I am now. Um, but yeah, so, so much more. Same with what I went through as a player. Man, that's, uh, that's good stuff. You know, we've reached the, uh, what I call the last media timeout. And, and Brittany, mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask you some quick questions and you kind of give me a brief answer and we'll just kind of go through this thing. Uh, the okay. first question is, uh, why did you get involved in athletics? Oh, <laughs> uh, again, I'll, with that, I'll just say my passion is personal to be the representation that needed I needed in this space because of the gap that I saw throughout my life. Okay. Best advice you've ever received? Uh, put the mask on yourself first and you can't pour from an empty cup. So it's not selfish to pour into yourself first. That's good, that's good. What are some of the habits that have helped you become successful uh, over, your, over your time and in this space? Ooh, taking one day at a time, one step at a time. Um, don't get too far ahead of myself and don't focus on the past. Just stay in the present moment, one day at a time, one step at a time. Good stuff. One book recommendation that, that you could give the, the listener. The Body Keeps Score um, is a good one. And that one's, that's a clinical one. So I also have other that are personal books, but The Body Keeps Score is a good one. And that's just how your body holds trauma or stress. Um, and you have to start listening to your body because um, it'll start giving you messages that you need. That sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, last question, and this is the, this is the kicker. Okay. Um, if you could start your career over tomorrow, and you had all the access to the information and knowledge that you have now, mm -hmm. how would you attack your career uh, at that point? I would I would not change anything. I would do everything the same way. I wouldn't even, even the bad times, like I would not change anything because I believe it made me who I am today. And I'm grateful and blessed and for everything that I have and all the tools that I use, regardless of how I got there. Um, I honestly wouldn't change it. And I get that question a lot. I would not change anything about my path. Big time stuff. And uh, <laughs> you're the second person that said uh, it wouldn't change anything. But, uh, this has been great. It's a Thank lot you. of great information that we were able to share. And yeah. uh, listeners will be able to benefit from this space. And uh, we appreciate Dr. Brittany Collins coming on Logos and Polos. Thank and, you. We'll have a chance to see you guys again soon. We're out. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for creating this space. For shots and whatnot, we must not.